I don't know about you, but I'm really concerned. I'm concerned about our country. But it's actually more one step above that. Because America's going to be gone at some point. It's not an eternal kingdom. I'm concerned about my kids. I'm concerned about people around me. Because things are really messy right now. Some of you are happy after this last week. And that's just fine. That's great. That's the beauty of living in democracy. Some of you are just furious. For me personally, can be completely honest, I'm just honestly still in a little bit of shock and a little bit of disappointment. Just not knowing of, of what's going to happen. Not knowing the role model that exists for my kids in the highest office in the land. That's just a personal concern that I have, right or wrong. But I'm really concerned about Christianity. Because right now in Christianity, there's a bundle of different messages there's faithful preachers in Jesus Christ that are standing up at the Bible this morning saying, it's wrong, this is wrong what happened. There's other faithful preachers that are standing up saying, praise God, our prayers were answered. It's a mess, an absolute mess. So the question is, okay, Jesus, what do we need to focus on? Jesus, what's our marching orders, Jesus? Because we're getting different messages from all over the place. Well, let's go to Jesus on our marching orders. And he gives us pretty clear marching orders this morning. He basically says, hey, this is what the Bible's all about right here. Let me tell you your marching orders. Look with me to verse 40 in Matthew 22. He says, hey, on these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So in other words, he's saying, hey, loving God and loving people, this is what all of the law and the prophets are about. Now, the law and the prophets, you have to understand, is what Judaism is built on. So they're built on the law, which would have been like the first five books of the Old Testament. The law is what governed their life. So the law is a big deal to them. It told them how they could flourish and, and where they could go and where they could not go. So the law governed their life. And then prophecy was how God spoke to them. The prophets, so the Old Testament is really broken up into law, prophets, and other writings. So the prophets is what? God making himself known to the people and his ways known to the people. And Jesus says, hey, all of the prophets and all of the law, it hangs on these two commandments, love God and love people. In other words, he's saying this, all of that stuff when God said through prophets or the laws, the rules he gave in Leviticus or Deuteronomy, what it's all about, it's about this. It's about loving God and loving people. Let me give this illustration, and this is not meant to say anything about you, but it might get you thinking a little bit. Let's say, for example, our church decided to put some signs up over here that said, visitor parking only. Okay, wouldn't be a bad idea, right? You want visitors to feel welcome. You want them to have a close spot to walk in, right? What would be the purpose of putting up a sign, visitor parking only? It would be what? To be hospitable. You could put up visitor only parking, and guess what? Still be what? Inhospitable. So really, the sign, the rule that you put into place that only visitors can park up here is what? It hangs on what? Being hospitable. And why do you put signs over here? Because your members aren't being hospitable. Because if you were being hospitable, you'd drive in and you'd say, hey, I want to park the farthest spot away so guests can park in the closest spot. But we're not always thinking that way, so what do you have to do? You've got to put rules in place. You've got to put mechanisms in place that what? Force us 
to think that way. Now, I'm not arguing this morning about whether we should put signs up there or not, but does that help you understand? So all these rules, regulations that we have in the Old Testament, what is it? It's God fleshing out what it would mean to love him, just like when I say to you, be hospitable to visitors, me putting a sign up there that says visitor parking is flushing out what it means to be hospitable. Give the visitor a close parking spot. So all of the law and the prophets, they hang on these two commands, love God and love people. Well, what does it mean to love? I mean, come on. This word is all over the map. Think about this. We use the word love for our greatest moments, the biggest things in life. We also use the word love for what? Just anything and everything. So, for example, for me, I first told my wife, she was my wife, anyhow, you get it, thing. I first told my wife that I love her. We had just, I had just met her grandparents, and even after they fed me warm apple pie, and I, oh, cannot stand warm fruit, but I swallowed it, and I ate it. Even after that experience, after that experience, we were walking and kissing in the park. Don't worry, nothing illegal going on. Thing. But uh, at that moment in Centerville, I told her that I love her. Now, when I told her that I love her, at that moment, I wasn't like, okay, I'm having more mushy feelings for you than a normal. But as what? is right. Okay, I'm now ready for a deep commitment. I've met the grandpa. He passes my muster. We're good to go. So I say I love you, it's I'm giving a deep commitment to you. But at the same time then, we can also say what? Uh, I love spaghetti. But we know that what? Spaghetti and our spouse are hopefully not in the same category. And so it can complicate what we mean by love. Love is not a mushy emotion. Love is a firm commitment with a sacrificial attitude that sees the value and shows the value in the other person. Love is a firm commitment with a sacrificial attitude that sees the value and shows the value of the other person. So when God says, love me with your whole heart, he's saying this, have a firm commitment to him with a sacrificial attitude that sees the value of God and shows the value of God to other people. And, and so how are we to, to love God? What does he say about loving God? What he says is here is he says, love God with your whole heart, your soul, and your mind. And, and I, I would contend this morning that these heart, soul, and mind, this isn't given to us to, to really dissect these words specifically. What Jesus is trying to get across here is he's trying to get across is love Jesus with your whole being. Throughout the Bible, the word heart and soul are sometimes interchanged. The word mind and heart are sometimes interchanged. But heart is really the center of life, that which governs life. The mind is the intellect. And soul, depending if it's the Old Testament or New Testament, is really life, the spirit aspect of your being. So what Jesus is really saying here is saying here, hey, with all that you are, love God. Not just, it's not just a spiritual thing, but it's an intellectual thing. It's an emotional thing. It's with your whole being, love God. The marching orders that God gives all of humanity, all of creation, the marching orders that sum up all of this right here, that the law and the prophets hang on, is very simple. With all that I am and everything I have, love God. That's our marching orders. So this morning, I think we need to 
do some Sunday school motions to help remind us of this core truth. So I want you to put your Bible down for a moment. Your phone down, those of you who are Facebooking right now. God's marching orders to us are very clear. With all that I am, everybody, all that I am, all that I have, love God. All that I am, all that I have, love God. All that I am, all that I have, love God. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> it's like that deep and wide where you leave words out every once in a while. Okay, here we go. Ready? Oh. All right, you're doing pretty good. The marching orders from Jesus Christ to all of humanity, from the first person that was ever created to the nation of Israel that was selected by God, to every creature that lives today in the United States of America or Iran, the marching orders are exactly the same because everything testifies to it. With all that I am and all that I have, love God. God wants you and I today to be in a reciprocal relationship with him of love, of a sincere, deep commitment with a sacrificial attitude that sees the value of God and shows the value of God. Now, don't misconstrue love for two mistakes where we often make. Love is not service. I can serve God without loving God, and this happens a lot. I do good works because I feel like I have to do them or it's the right thing to do them. If you're serving without love, here's kind of a test for you of what usually happens. As you're serving, you get what? Discouraged or disenfranchised with your service. Because you're like, well, why isn't everybody else serving? Or you're like, man, this person I'm serving isn't receiving it very well. So you're focused on results or you're focused on practical things rather than your service flowing out of a love for God. That says, I'm going to do this and continue to do this because I love God. So we have to be careful. We can serve without loving God, but we can't love God without serving. The second mistake that oftentimes we make is religious activity is not love of God. I can come and sing. I can put something in the offering plate. I can sacrifice something. And guess what? That's not love for God. That's activity that can sometimes give us comfort or the appearance of all is well. But you can have that without a sincere, deep commitment that sees the value of God and shows the value of God. And this is what happened throughout the whole Old Testament. If you want the Old Testament in a summary, here it is. God chose a group of people named him Israel, said, love me. The rest, what happens is this. They show up and go through their religious activity, and there's not always love. So God has to send all of these prophets and say, hey, your sacrifices... Your burnt offerings, they mean nothing to me because you don't love me. And then God says, I'm going to send a Messiah who's going to put something inside of you that allows you to love me with my whole being. God's marching orders to us and to all of creation is that with all that we are and all that we have, we love God. It's a reciprocal relationship of love. And this morning, as we consider loving God, 
we have to remember and first be engulfed that God loves us. It's a reciprocal relationship of love because God leads with love. 1 John 4 tells us, Romans 5 tells us, other places tell us that God first loved us. We've all maybe have heard the story of the prodigal son in the Bible. There's a story of a, a man whose son goes away and then comes home. There's a, there's a similar story of a man, son in California that NPR was sharing on a Saturday afternoon. And since it's NPR, it's got to be true. I don't know. But uh, NPR was telling this story. This really captured my heart and I, and I think portrays the picture of God. That in Salinas, California, there was a wealthy landowner. The wealthy landowner had a young son. And he always told his young son, at age 18, you can decide what you want to do. Run the family business, take your portion of the inheritance, go to school, whatever you want to do. Age 18 came, and maybe a couple years after that, the young man said, Dad, I want my inheritance. I'll take my portion of the company right now. And Dad said, okay, you realize what you're getting into. This is it. I give you your portion of the company right now. That's then. Son took his portion of the company, went to New York after getting his portion of the company, lived high for a long time, nice, nice life. But what happened was he's living in New York, starts to spend more than he has, gets involved in the drug trade a little bit, gets involved in prostitution. After being involved in the drug and the prostitution trade, things begin to collapse. Economically, it collapses for him after he makes bad decisions. After making bad decisions, the creditors come calling. And this is back in the age when the creditors weren't uh, nice little people that were governed by the government. These are creditors that come with a bat or something like that. So the son said, you know what? I'm just running back to California to live at least with my father's co-workers. So he gets money for a train ticket, heads back to California. He gets back to California, he gets cold feet and says, I, I can't go back to my dad. So he's in town, and he finds one of his dad's workers. And he says to his dad workers, he gives them this letter that, that said this. <clears throat> Father, I have just enough money to take the train that passes by our ranch in front of the apple orchard near the edge of the property. I'm going to be there on that train tomorrow at 1 p.m. And if you would accept me back, I would ask that you simply drape an old white sheet over one of the trees nearest the railroad. And as I'm passing by, I'll see the signal, and I'll know you've accepted me to come home. If that sheet is not there, then I won't stop at the train station. I'll just keep going. You see, I can't bear to see you face to face. I don't have the courage. I have done too much and have no idea what's going to happen with the rest of my life. Your son. So after a whole sleepless night, he gets on the train, the next morning. He can't look out the window of the train. So he sits down to an old, an old man, tells the old man kind of the story, and asks the old man, hey, will you look out the window for me? The old man stands up, looks out the window, and says, I think you need to come and look for yourself. When the son jumped up and went to the window and looked out, as far as he could see, every apple tree was covered with a white sheet. The Bible tells us that God is filled with everlasting love. God didn't use a white sheet. God used a tree. 
And on that tree, he hung his son on a cross. That's how much God loves you. That's how God leads with love. He gives you his everything. And now God asks us to be in a reciprocal relationship where with all that we are and all that we have, we would love God. Our marching orders are clear. It's not always easy, and it's not always going to be without a wrestling match. And we'll wrestle in the weeks ahead of tough questions, but we know the overarching marching order. With all that I am, with all that I have, love God. I invite you this morning to join me in a simple prayer, a prayer that will make ours over the next couple of months. Let's pray together. Creator God, ignite and renew my love for you. Ignite and renew my love for others. In Jesus' name, amen.